people who really need the passport are the people who hate the country. Well, yesterday afternoon, I was relaxing at home, as I am wont to do. It's 103 degrees outside, but I was comfortably by a roaring fire with my velvet uh, smoking jacket on, my fez, my cherry wood pipe, and a well-thumbed used copy of Chaucer, when all of a sudden, truthfully now, I hear my wife uh, emit a scream from the, the back of the house. I mean, all of a sudden yesterday, my wife just started screaming really loud and uh, and in a way that alarmed me quite a bit. So I immediately reached under the bed, grabbed the flamethrower and went out to find out what it was that was uh, that was going on because she sounded like she was being murdered. Uh, and what it was, was she had just opened the mail and inside the mail was a little blue book, about that big. And it said, United States passport on it. And I have never seen her that happy. Uh, just holding it was a sign not only of U.S. citizenship, but it was it was bigger than that. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Little with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And uh, this is your Right Angle episode about how much we take for granted when it comes to things like an American passport and American citizenship. This, my wife loves to travel. And what this was, was it was a ticket to ride. You can go pretty much anywhere on a U.S. passport, and you can't do that in, in other countries. Uh, I went to Norway a couple of years ago, and my wife and I both went to, we're going to go to Norway. We're standing in line at, at Norwegian Air in the international terminal. We hand over our passports, and I can go, no problem. She can't. Her Russian passport does not allow her to enter the so-called Schengen uh, visa area, which pretty much all of Europe. She had to go home. Uh, and if it wasn't business, I would have gone home with her. Uh, Steve, you know, we, we, the, the, the reason I wanted to do this episode was because I think we just have to constantly, constantly, constantly remind ourselves of how much we actually have, of how good things actually are. And, and, and it's so easy to, to forget about it. But the idea that you could just travel anywhere in the world is actually a pretty astonishing idea. And, and certainly uh, Natasha realized it when she opened that envelope and, and, and saw this thing. It's like, I could go anywhere I want to. You know, I got a uh, I got quite a lesson about that, uh, the value of the American passport when I was 15. And I'm not sure I really appreciated it, Bill, until our uh, backstage show, which is available to, to members of BillWhittle.com, when you were telling Natasha's story. But I immediately flash back on this. Uh, I was 15. I was taking uh, German in high school, which I, I know you're a Mark Twain fan. You know what a huge mistake I made. Um, but one of the reasons I, I, I took the class is Dr. Kalmar, the, uh, the teacher, he'd been like Missouri State Teacher of the Year. I can't tell you how many times. So I, wa I wanted this teacher and also I wanted a chance. He took the uh, second year students who wanted to go on a month long trip through Germany and Austria during the summer. And uh, we flew into Frankfurt, of course. And from then we took the from there, we took the train to uh, to Cologne. We stayed there for several days and uh, we spent uh, about a week in Doc's hometown in in southern Bavaria. It's just, you know, just some of the most beautiful country in the world. And uh, a few days in Kitzbühel, Austria, which is a ski resort. And in the summer, like all the hippies flocked there it was a lot of fun. But we uh, we spent a week in what was then West Berlin. It's, it seems almost impossible now, 30 years later, that there used to be two Germanys and, and two Berlins. But we spent a week in West Berlin 
And on Wednesday, and I'll never forget why it was a Wednesday, we took a little day trip to the east side, to East Berlin, the wealthiest, by the way, city in the entire communist world. And it was a dump. Um, East Germany was a dump. Wealthiest communist country that has ever existed. And it's a dump. Somebody uh, joked years ago that how bad is communism? It made Germans build bad cars. Um, Anyway, (laughs) that aside, I decided I was going to... uh, take a picture I shouldn't at the uh, at the crossing point from uh, from east to from west to east, you know, through the Berlin Wall. And I got my little Nikon FE. It's on the strap around my neck. And I I've decided in advance that I'm going to take a picture of one of these guard towers. And, you know, photography around the wall uh, on the east side is just, you know, verboten. You don't take pictures at these at these crossing points. I'm going to take a picture of one of these guard towers. I think I'm pretty cool. So. I've got a 50 millimeter lens on. I figure if I stop that down to F8, I'll have a, a nice fat depth of field that's sunny enough. That's that's going to be enough light. I got the camera down. I'm pointing it kind of towards the uh, towards the, uh, the the guard tower with uh, with the camera still still around my neck, you know, sitting on my belly, nowhere near my face. I'm not taking any pictures, no sir. And I kind of aim it towards the tower and I, I i i guess at the focus you know looking at the numbers on the ring i snap a couple of pictures i turn the camera off i hope i'm good i hope i'm not caught i don't know if i get caught if they're gonna if they're gonna smash my camera pull the film take me aside whatever it was but shortly thereafter was one of the scariest moments of my life this is the summer of 1984 this was the the los angeles summer games were going on as we were crossing i mean they were they were live in California. And these were the ones the Soviets had, and almost the entire Eastern Bloc had boycotted. So, you know, relations are at a at a real bad place at that moment. And you put your passport in a slot, in a blank concrete wall. And there you are with, with East-West relations at one of their lowest points during the whole Cold War, and you're standing there on East German territory without your passport, and you can't tell what they're doing to it. And long story short, well, too late, they give my passport back their stamp. We change our marks for East German marks, and we spend our day in in East Berlin to to see the parade, the military parade that they have on every Wednesday. Later, I admit to uh, to Doc, Dr. Kelmar, German teacher, what I had done, and I asked him, what, what would they have done? You know, I'm sitting there without my passport. And you know what he said to me? It's a U.S. passport. Hmm. Yeah. As if to it say, is, that's, that's, that's your protection. They might mess with a West German. They're not going to mess with an American. Hope those days are still uh, with us. Uh, Scott, I got my yeah. first passport when I was um, went to visit my grandfather in London. And I was uh, 16 years old, and the U.S. passport I got at the time was kind of a pale green thing and passport. But for quite a long time now, the U.S. passport is a dark navy blue, and it's a work of art. It's an actual work of art. Inside the passport is the entire history of America. It's just all there, and it's beautifully done. And and I think that was the thing that just amazed Natasha the most. Instead of like these blank pages for stamps, here's um, here's a Mississippi steamboat, here's um, here's uh, a, a buffalo, and and there's Mount Rushmore, and here's here's the uh, Francis Scott Key uh, holding on to the ropes, looking at the Star Spangled Banner, and and it's it's a it's an actual work of art. 
but I think we, we both talked about it quite a bit afterwards. The, the reaction was just so, just so unbelievably emotional. And, and you, you don't have time to process that. Wow. Think of all the places I can go. She opened it, saw it and just lost her mind. And I think the thing about the passport, Scott, is that it really is for, for many of us, not just those of us who are naturalized. It is, it's proof, you know, it's like, it's like something you can hand. It's proof. I'm an American citizen and I can prove it. Here it is. And I'm not saying everybody should have a passport or that we need national ID on the contrary, but there's something tangible about it. There's something just really cool. It was the best looking passport in the world. Yeah, Steve reminded me that uh, a number of years ago, um, I got to travel to uh, Israel and give a talk to a group of graduate students at Ben-Gurion University about the U.S. Constitution. And um, uh, at one point, and I'm a little hazy on details here because we were with a tour guide who obviously knew what we, he was doing, but I didn't always know what we were doing. <laughs> and I think we actually drove into the West Bank if that's a thing. And so we drove into the West Bank and we crossed, the, there was a border crossing there. And the driver of the car turns to us and says, uh, everybody give him your passports. And I handed him, I, you know, we handed up our passport to the driver and he handed them to this guy at the, at the gate or whatever. And he, then he disappeared into a building. And it was at that moment that I suddenly realized well, I had been kind of taking for granted the Kevlar vest I've been wearing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just like all of a sudden I thought, well, is that is it coming back? What are they doing to it? Why how, why is it taking so long? When it, you know, and all these thoughts I'm not I'm not voicing them, but I'm just sitting there and cuz everybody was kind of silent in the car because all of a sudden for the first time on the trip, we were all a little bit afraid. And we had never been afraid. Like I walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. I'm deep underground in the dark with water up to my ankles, wading through this ancient tunnel. It didn't scare me in the least. But passing through that gate and handing over my passport and suddenly being without it made me a little nervous. Now, obviously, I got it back. I'm okay. I'm here. And, <laughs> and the trip to Israel was one of the greatest experiences of my life. But there is something about... Uh, we used to use the term American exceptionalism, and sometimes that was confused with arrogance. It's not like mm -hmm. that at all. In fact, one of the reasons why you get a passport is because you want to see the beautiful, amazing places in the rest of the world. So, you know, you're not cocky about it. Like, I desperately want to go to France. You know, I want to see France. When I was in Cochabamba, Bolivia, I was just drinking it all in. It was amazing. And obviously, there are some things there that aren't the same as here and things that I wouldn't want to trade. <laughs> but I would go back there in a heartbeat. I would love to, to visit that place again, but there is something about being an American and traveling the world that reminded me of the phrase that Ronald Reagan used in one of his speeches uh, where he was talking about a boatload of refugees, I believe in the South China Sea, that uh, a Navy vessel, a U.S. Navy vessel came up uh, alongside of them and one of the refugees in the boat saw a sailor on the deck and he shouted up, hello, American sailor. Hello, freedom man. And I think that there uh -huh. is something about traveling abroad and realizing that I'm freedom man, not because of anything that I've done, but because I, that passport in my hands embodies an idea that, that lights up the minds and hearts of the world. 
very shortly, in just a couple of weeks, uh, my wife will have been in the country for six years. And yesterday was the first time that we would be able to go to Bermuda where we're going for our honeymoon. That's where I want to go. I haven't been there since I left in 1972. This is the first day. Yesterday was the first day we could actually go. In order for her to go on her uh, Russian passport, she'd have to get clearance from the Russian embassy. And it's not going to happen. It's just not. So, so there's so much of this that we take for granted. But I think ultimately, I would, I would just simply say this. I think every American should voluntarily, because I don't believe in any kind of caution, I think you should get a passport. They're cool to have. And, and I think you should travel abroad. If you love this country, when you travel abroad, you'll see many wonderful things and many things that people do better than we do. And if you love this country, you'll come back and say, we need to do some of that stuff too. That actually seems to be working pretty well. But the real people who really need the passport are the people who hate the country. Hmm. They're the ones who need the passport more yeah, than anybody. Yes. Because these people need to go overseas and realize what they've got here. They need to go overseas and understand what exactly it is that they've been told is so evil. Let them let them go to Venezuela or Cuba. Let them see real, genuine poverty. I went to Thailand in 2012, which astonishes me to say is 10 years ago. Bangkok Airport is brand new, made LAX look like a like a hovel. But we took a bus out of town, and and seven minutes out of town, I'm looking at a guy who is barefoot in a rice paddy, whipping a, a, a water buffalo, you know, and, and, and they're living on, on platform stilts. They have nothing. They have no electricity. They're living, they're living in corrugated tin shacks. And this is something that everybody should be exposed to, I think. Yeah. I think the more you hate America, the more you should go around and see the rest of the world because of all of the things that, that I see from the left and all of the hypocrisy on so many things – Nothing tops this, the endless criticism of how terrible America is, the endless criticism about the racism, about the, about the, the poverty, the pollution, the capitalism, all of it, endless criticism, and none of them ever leave. That's a data point. I'll just close by saying this. Uh, in the entire history of this country, in the history of the world, no one has ever been shot going over the Berlin Wall trying to get into East Berlin. And no one has ever drowned by taking a bunch of inner tubes and strapping them to a lawn chair and pushing off from Fort Lauderdale to head south across the Straits of Florida to get to the free healthcare uh, and, and exceptional literacy down in Cuba. Not one. Not one person. Every person that's ever risked their lives in terms of travel to and from America, every single person has been doing it to come this way and not go the other way. And that is the ultimate data set. That's the ultimate data set that kills the whole argument. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks very much for joining us and um, we'll see you abroad. Mm -hmm.